Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Come with me and join me for another episode of The Break. I'm your host, Father Roderick. I'm a priest and I'm a geek, and I love to share with you my thoughts on Star Wars, science fiction, Star Trek, anime, fantasy, superheroes, and so much more. In this show, I give you my tips on what you can watch, read, play, or listen to the next time you have a break. And let's step into the Millennium Falcon and uh, take a look somewhere in the universe. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You know that I love to go to that galaxy far, far away. And I'm such a fan of everything that Disney does in the footsteps of Star Wars creator George Lucas. However... I'm not blind and deaf to how Star Wars is perceived elsewhere in the world, and I know that some fans are worried about the future of Star Wars. We've seen a number of television series, and some of them were excellent, and others were kind of, yeah, okay, but not as good as we expect Star Wars to be. And this is not the only big franchise that seems to be a bit in um, in a rut, you could say, where the future is a bit more muddy, a bit more misty. And, and even Disney doesn't really seem to know which road to take. This is also true for the Marvel Cinematic Universe that, of course, has been going strong for more than a decade now after the first Iron Man movie was such a success. And most of the success of the MCU is uh, thanks to one guy, Kevin Feige, who, when he started to work for Disney, soon showed that he had an incredible grip and grasp of what the... Marvel Universe could be. All of that was still uh, unknown or was still to be explored, but right from the get-go, he knew that there was a big story that they could tell, that the that that Marvel, that Disney had just acquired, uh, offered so many storytelling opportunities. But he knew that in order to keep co- people coming back for more, these stories needed to be um, related to one another, which kind of wasn't the case with a a lot of superhero movies. Most superhero movies were just either like a a single story or maybe you would get a trilogy like with Spider-Man. But um, there wasn't a plan when Disney bought Marvel for this whole interconnected universe. Kevin Feige was the one who made sure that they started to develop on the foundation of the success of Iron Man this big story that would ultimately result in this bundling of superheroes in the Avengers. And then from there, there would be another phase and another phase. And so every time he was the one who made sure that that universe stayed consistent between all these different stories. The one thing that he didn't expect, and I don't think that Disney expected it, we, the fans, did not expect this, was that there is something like too much of a good thing. It's like when you have dessert, and imagine you're in Rome, and you're sitting in uh, on a nice summer evening, you just had a, a, a plate of wonderful pasta, and now you're, you really would like an ice cream, like a good gelato. And you're so 
looking forward to that gelato that you order like five portions and they bring it in and it's strawberry and it's a lemon taste and then you've got another plate with chocolate and vanilla and then you've got raspberries blueberries and and every plate also has whipped cream on it i'm, I'm sure that it, it looks amazing you're like oh gosh this is the i will never leave this place anymore you start eating and then after a while you think like yeah this gelato is amazing and now i really would like to take some of that you know the vanilla and the pistachio and the chocolate but i'm full you know i need a break and and then I, I can't even think of the raspberry and strawberry ice cream. It's just too much of a good thing. Well, that's kind of how a lot of Marvel fans have felt recently with this ongoing tsunami of, of great movies. It, like, all these movies are entertaining. They're not all on the level of the Avengers, but they're certainly uh, great, entertaining, good popcorn movies. You always know that you get quality, that it, it's going to be fun. Um, but... In addition to that, we also had a, a massive amount of television series, especially in the first two years of Disney+. Plus, When Disney was trying to, to grab market share, they would just finance any idea. And so you got all these series, and um, because there was so much going on and Kevin Feige needed to keep track of all these different stories, it, I sometimes feel like they went about it too quickly. And like, let's just film something and then we'll fix it in post. And that turned out to be a major problem for a number of recent television series like um, uh, Captain America and then more recently uh, Secret Invasion. Those shows were completely filmed and everything and then something happened and they had to reevaluate the story and sometimes make incredible uh, an incredible amount of, of, of changes um, for... Uh, Secret Invasion, um, they had to redo almost everything. I think originally there's a rumor that, that, that the story was going to be about uh, a war between Russia and, and Ukraine. But then in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but then of course the real war uh, exploded and, and they had to completely redo the entire story. The end result was very mediocre. Even though it starred Samuel L. Jackson, one of the biggest stars uh, and, and one of the greatest actors that they had in the Marvel Universe. Um, but it just didn't work. And the thing is, Star Wars had a similar problem with a diminishing return on investment. We had the sequels and the first one was amazing. The Force Awakens feels just like Star Wars. Yeah, it was designed to be just like Star Wars. And then the second one was controversial it was like what what what's going on this is this is not the luke skywalker that we that we thought we knew however it was still very innovative groundbreaking it did stuff that we had never seen in the star wars narrative universe and then we get this hastily made kind of rush movie uh, the rise of skywalker which i think still has a lot of redeeming aspects but it wasn't uh, on the, the the kind of quality that a uh, like a finale a conclusion of this this decade spanning Skywalker saga deserved and all this was it caused by problems that were similar to what was going on in the Marvel universe in a sense that they first had hired someone to write and to direct, was it Colin Trevorrow? Uh, to write and direct this, this last 
episode of the Skywalker saga, and then they saw what he came up with, and they didn't like it. And so they hired J.J. Abrams back, who was like, okay, well, I didn't expect to be back. And in fact, the previous movie, The Last Jedi, took the story in a totally different direction from what I thought, what I would have done. And so how am I going to make this U-turn and bring it back to my original ideas? And so that's why this third movie feels so contrived at times and, and, and so weird. Well, the, the problems for Star Wars also when it comes to television um, were, were similar in the sense that, that they, they at first started to make tons and tons of new television series and and they announced plans to the stakeholders like oh this is the, this is coming next and then we're going to do this but the problem was they weren't ready for it it was just too much in 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 too little time and so uh, a number of these television sh- series were canceled even before they started shooting um, there were some other projects like movies that were pushed way into the future and well Disney hasn't canceled any of those ideas formally, but it's still, you know, very unlikely that we'll see any of those ideas come to fruition. And then um, some of the other television series just didn't pan out to be as as good as they might have been had they given it more time and more care. One, I think, of the, the, the worst examples, unfortunately, was uh, The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, which I felt had a ton of potential, great actors, great chemistry, but the especially the way in which the story ended was so kind of run-of-the-mill, cliche. It, it, it just it, it felt like it was a waste of the potential that um, that particular story um, had. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi was was good, but it could have been a lot better if it had been a movie. The only exception to this was Andor, Andor, everybody agrees that Andor had the best writing we had ever seen in the Star Wars universe. And that was a surprise for Disney as well. They didn't think that people would appreciate that. They thought that the Star Wars fans would be much more enthusiastic about the Book of Boba Fett and and Obi-Wan Kenobi and and now the, the, the Ahsoka series because that's what they had done for a decade. And, and now... All of a sudden, everybody starts raving about Andor, which they kind of allowed to be made. But just like Rogue One, when that was in development, they didn't expect much of it. And now they're starting to realize, well, wait a minute, the Star Wars fans have actually evolved and matured, and mm, we should have planned more of this. But instead, we already have this roster of upcoming projects that is... Hmm, <laughs> We committed to them, and we probably already invested millions in, into these upcoming projects. There is nothing like Andor on our timeline. So, yes, we do have a second season that's still coming, but after that, nobody knows if there's going to be more Andor-like stuff. Um, and so, some Star Wars fans have been clamoring for a change of leadership at Disney when it comes to Star Wars. And uh, this is an old gripe of a certain segment of the of the Star Wars fandom uh, where they keep circulating rumors that Kathleen Kennedy, who they see as the culprit of all this um, bad quality Star Wars, according to them, um, is going to be fired anytime now and someone else will step in and take the reins and save Star Wars. And the latest rumor is that that person is going to be Kevin Feige. 
the one who has been leading the Marvel Cinematic Universe ever since Iron Man. And probably one of the reasons that they speculate about this is that Kevin Feige, a while ago, was seen as a potential writer-director for an upcoming Star Wars movie. He is very much a Star Wars fan. He's interested in uh, moving that franchise forward. But the idea was that he would make a movie. Kathleen Kennedy even talked about that publicly, that, yeah, he, she would love it if Kevin Feige could make a Star Wars movie. But Kevin Feige was so busy with Marvel and with the cinematic universe, and th so much was going on there that he just didn't have time. So according to this new rumor, Kevin Feige is ready to leave Marvel Studios and switch to Star Wars and take the reins from Kathleen Kennedy and guide Lucasfilm on a new path. And um, he would be, according to some of the fans, the savior of the Star Wars universe because this man has proven to know how to build a consistent universe that, that the fans love. And he would never sanction uh, and allow stupid projects in, in the eyes of some fans uh, Ch childish stuff or uh, stuff that is too woke or whatever. Um, the, 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 and, and people project on Kevin Feige so much that I wonder if he is actually someone who could pull that off, who could match all those expectations. It's, I think, very likely that if he were to take the reins at Lucasfilm, fans would still be disappointed and would would find reasons to now start to clamor for his departure from Lucasfilm. Um, the thing is, both these franchises are in development. This is we're we're watching these stories in a culture that is changing so rapidly. There's a new generation of of moviegoers, of of TV consumers and they have different interests. Even the online world is changing so quickly from these, this, this, these massive social platforms like Twitter and Facebook. And, 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 and now it seems as if the, the current trend is much more towards niche. And, and you know people don't want to have 30,000 followers anymore or go viral every day. No, no. People want to be more in smaller cir circles. And kind of like niche interests are more and more popular. I see this also in the world of books. I read a ton of books and, and you see a couple of years ago, everybody was reading the same big, you know, young adult fantasy novels. And, and now you see this explosion in there, which has also an upside. And that is that a lot of smaller writers, unknown talents can, can emerge and find a small portion of that of that fantasy fandom and i think that with star wars i wouldn't be surprised and with marvel that the same trend will have a much bigger impact on the future of these two franchises than a change of directors because let's be honest kevin feige has been successfully running the mcu but he's still at the helm of the mcu now that marvel is in trouble and doesn't really know how to Proceed, and every movie seems to do worse than the previous one. And a lot of the television series have been cancelled or postponed. So, who tells me that the same since the same situation is more or less also the case uh, when it comes to Star Wars? Who tells me that he can all of a sudden change that? 
he's been part maybe of the problem. I, I have a, a great, um, uh, I, I have a great respect for people like Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy, um, but I wonder if uh, just changing positions within the same organization is going to bring the changes that these storytelling franchises need. I personally would prefer for Star Wars to go more niche, to do smaller budget productions, to maybe just step out of the, the, the whole rat race of trying to match fans' expectations and do something unexpected like they did for Andor. But maybe even go more, even lower budget than that. We should never forget where Star Wars comes from. A New Hope was considered to be a, an, a niche movie. It, it was almost like an art house movie. It had zero budget. Everybody thought that that movie was going to fail. And it is within the limitations that Lucas was able to, to uh, nurture his, his genius and his inventiveness. And he was able to make something out of nothing. And he was surrounded by a couple of people who had that same goal of, well, since nobody expects anything, let's see what we can do. And this is how Skywalker, um, not Skywalker Sound, um, Industrial Light and Magic uh, was, was, was working on these groundbreaking special effects, but using basically plastic models and all sorts, they had to think completely out of the box to, to create what, what Lucas was imagining. And then you had uh, George Lucas's ex-wife, who was an editor, and, and if it weren't for her, A New Hope would, be, would have been a terrible movie. She, in post-production, while editing, made A New Hope into what we now know it is. And so um, that was all done within the constraints of the situation at the time. Now that Star Wars has seems to have unlimited money, um, it's it, I don't think that the, that, that the organization is challenging itself enough. And it, it, it's very likely that the organization has become complacent, just like the church has been complacent, when, especially during, during centuries where the church was prosperous and successful and powerful, and now that the church is so much in decline, it's almost an incentive for a new springtime where well, you see what's happening in the Vatican. Pope Francis is trying to, to help the church to reinvent itself and, 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 and take a totally different approach to the world around it because what we've done for, for decades, for decades, hasn't worked. So something needs to change. But the... the <laughs> The solution is not to think big and to just use a lot of money and 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 political uh, solutions. No, the solution is to well, let's first listen to one another again. Let's see what do we perceive is is the will of the Holy Spirit, and are there like ideas from people that nobody listens to? Shouldn't we listen more to the people in the in the on the fringes of the of the of the church? Maybe they have something to say. Well, let's listen to the poor. You know, the, the church institutions in general have always been um, under control of the of the powerful. Well let's listen to the people who don't have any power. What do they expect? What do they ask? I would love it if an organization like Disney could take a similar approach and maybe even learn from what is happening right now in the Catholic Church and go back to the fans. 
and ask us, what did you love? What don't you like? What do you expect of us? And that's very risky. And it, 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 that's probably why it won't happen. But I think it's so incredibly essential to listen to the fans. And maybe among the fans, you will discover new talent that is able to bring in new, new ideas, new blood, and reinvent what Star Wars can be for the future generations. But Star Wars cannot exist in a vacuum. These stories are here to serve us, the fans. And I am an older fan. There is a younger generation that grows up with totally different worldview and, and other hopes and, and worries. And Star Wars needs, needs to reflect those, those issues. And that's why Star Wars should not just cater to the old fans and just do what we always you know, liked about Star Wars. No, I think it's so important to listen to what, what's the younger generation looking for in our stories and what do we need to tell in these stories to, to serve this, the, the basically mankind. That's ultimately what stories are all about. They're here to help us reflect on our reality in an imaginary world. It's, it's easy to think about the big problems that, uh, uh, that we worry about uh, if we first travel to this galaxy far, far away, because then we can just experiment with things and, and we, can, we can pick and choose and see, well, hmm, I like that idea, I like that idea. And so anyway, my uh, advice to Disney would be just leave Kevin Feige where he is. He's doing a tremendous job and leave Kathleen Kennedy in place, but don't d make sure that you're, don't just listen to the people at the top, don't just listen to your wallet, but listen to what the people actually ask of you and see if you can find new talent and bring them in and give them a position in your, in your company so that they can do what the old, the old guard can do. That would be my advice. Let's move on. The most beloved fantasy story of all time. It is the tale of a small hobbit and the great wizard who appeared to him one day. All right, dude, check it out. Go like that way and then up this one mountain and then kill all the hippies you come across. No, no, I'm searching for a dragon's treasure. I'm the wizard, you're the dwarf, and you will respect my authority. So in the I last... No dwarf. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was I was interrupting the Hobbit. Um, last uh, in the last episode of the break, I was talking about this upcoming project about the the War of the Rohirrim, uh, which is a Peter Jackson led animated movie that will come out uh, in December next year. And then that's of course not the only uh, Tolkien related um, story that we can look forward to right now. In production is the second season of uh, The Rings of Power. And I, I really miss being in Middle-earth. Um, I, I try to compensate for that by uh, reading a bit more in The Silmarillion. Uh, there's an excellent audiobook version, in case you missed that, read by uh, Andy Serkis who, of course, voices and plays Gollum in The Lord of the Rings and in The Hobbit. Um, but Andy Serkis is also an incredible voice actor, and he had already recorded the, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy and also The Hobbit, uh, and now he has recorded The Silmarillion, and it is the best audio version I've ever heard of The Silmarillion. Silmarillion is uh, uh, one of the 
more difficult books to read because it covers such an incredible amount of time in in the history of Middle Earth, and uh, it, it, it it because it. It covers so much history. There are so many different eras and kings and and names and elves and whatnot to uh, to to get to know. And even though the Silmarillion, Silmarillion at times focuses on a, a few particular stories, there's still this overall. It kind of feels like you're you're trying to read the Old Testament, um, but so far you are only familiar with the New Testament, with the stories of Jesus and the apostles. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is like this is insane. The, the, I thought it was just one book, but the the, the Old Testament is like I don't know. It, it's too many books, too many stories, too much history, too many names. I cannot possibly take all that in. This is why, by the way, the Catholic Church um, uh, is is helping people to read parts of the Old Testament by portioning it. So every week on Sunday, uh, we get just one portion of the Old Testament, one story, and then it's usually thematically linked to the gospel, which a lot of people are more familiar with, so that at least you recognize some of the themes in the gospel in the New Testament readings in the Old Testament. And so um, with the Silmarillion, I have always had the same impression, like, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming, and I, I, I tried to get through the book and didn't get very far, uh, but, but that was not because I wasn't interested. It's just that the book is not written as an adventure story. It's more like a history book. And uh, this is where Andy Serkis has really helped me to, uh, to get a better grip on, on the stories of the Silmarillion because his, the way in, in which he reads it is, is very much like a storyteller. And even very dull stuff, like there's a huge introduction to the Silmarillion, which I always skipped. It's like, you know, written by Christopher Tolkien, and it's a lot of like, this is how the Silmarillion came about. Lots of details, and, and very interesting probably to, to the, the, the Tolkien scholars, but I just want to dive into the story. Well, when I was listening to the audiobook version by Andy Serkis, I was mesmerized by that introduction. I actually really, really enjoyed it. He's got such an amazing talent to bring texts alive. And so what I'm trying to do in order to prepare myself for the next season of The Rings of Power, and that is still months and months away, um, is I want to read through The Silmarillion with Andy Serkis. And because I've seen... Uh, after having watched the first season of Rings of Power, how much the Silmarillion uh, is, how, how important that is to understanding what is happening and also to understand the choices that the creators of Rings of Power have made. There is, I think, a lot of undue criticism on, on the Rings of Power by people that say, well, it's not faithful to what Tolkien would have written or wanted. But um, I'm pretty convinced that what they show us in the rings of power is a condensed version of history but they announced that at the at the get go they said you know this is a television series we cannot introduce new characters we cannot move through time as the silmarillion does it's not the same medium we need to have consistent characters that people can follow from from season to season but we will try to stay as close as possible to the 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 main storylines in the history of middle earth and they actually had the obligation to not contradict uh, Tolkien's work in works in any way. So the only 
the only concession uh, that was made by the Tolkien estate was this time compression and that some of the characters were um, taking on lines and roles uh, and situations from other eras. Um, but already Peter Jackson did that in The Lord of the Rings, where he took some stuff, even from the Silmarillion, in a very sly way, because he wasn't allowed to use the Silmarillion, but he used some of his knowledge of the Silmarillion in, in the way that, uh, for instance, Arwen, the character of Arwen, was uh, was developed. Arwen is is just <laughs> barely present, I think, in The Lord of the Rings, but in the movies they used um, a lot of the themes from another power couple between an elf and a human in the in the Silmarillion and then transpose that onto the relationship between Aragorn and Arwen and and to great effect that was a wonderful addition to the story especially because the Lord of the Rings is you know lacks strong female characters in the original book and I'm very glad that Peter Jackson at least tried to introduce more strong female characters in in his version of the Lord of the Rings so I have no problem with the rings of power doing the same for storytelling purposes you cannot do something that just literally follows the books Tolkien never wrote his books as a script for a tv series this is also why I'm a bit worried about the Harry Potter um, remake that Warner has announced where apparently they're going to be very close to the original texts of the books but those books were not written as scripts for a television series in fact J.K. Rowling has now shown in Fantastic Beasts that she is not a very good scriptwriter. She doesn't really understand television that well, or movies, I should say. Um, and so I have my doubts, uh, but uh, probably they'll just hire a lot of talent to make sure that it becomes a success because uh, there's a lot at stake for Warner. But anyway, uh, for for uh, as far as the Rings of Power are concerned, the more I read in the Silmarillion, the more I understand why the rings of power is what it is and why certain story choices were made so um, that's my fantasy plan for uh, the upcoming well probably month or so japanimation yeah. Let's wrap things up with a quick visit to the world of anime. I'm still watching this amazing historical um, animated series about Vinland. Vinland was a surname for the United States, uh, given by the Vikings. Uh, as you know, the Vikings from Scandinavia, now, of course, that's Sweden and Norway and, uh, and Denmark, uh, they were incredible boats people and they traveled not just to mainland Europe but also to England um, and, and uh, they left a mark on uh, many cultures but we also know from historical research that they were the, the, the ones who first discovered the United States long b before Christopher Columbus did and they called it Vinland and uh, the story uh, in, in Vinland Saga follows uh, a young boy, Thorfinn, whose father has been murdered by uh, Askeladd, who's a, a very bad guy, kind of half Viking, half uh, Welsh, I think he is. Anyway, he's really the bad guy, and this young boy wants to avenge his father, and uh, unfortunately uh, ends up traveling with his arch-rival, with his murderer of his father, uh, because one day he wants to challenge this guy in a duel and then um, ultimately kill him. So 
he 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 grows up and becomes more and more violent because he's surrounded by violence and warfare, and he accompanies these Vikings on their um, uh, pillaging travels. And so, uh, in in episode five, was it five? Uh, we see this this kind of change of tone, where he, he is in England, uh, in the south of England, so Anglia it was called, and. Um, he gets wounded. He's being pursued by soldiers. He's still a boy. He must be like 12 years old or something like that. And so um, he has been shot with a bow and arrow and is left for dead. And then the next morning, he is discovered by um, an old lady and her granddaughter. And they take him home and they uh, take care of him so that he can heal. Um, And this is where something really amazing happened in the series uh until that moment it was all about you know the the horrors of the wars and about this gruesome murder of of thorfinn's father and you see this boy who is just like there's so much emotion in him and he's now almost orphaned his mother and sister are still there in um in iceland because that's where he originally is from uh but he, he is so far away from home and is just surrounded by, by all these violent people. But this is for the first time that he meets people from a totally different culture. These, um, this small family is Christian, is Catholic. And this is in the time that uh, um, this, this part of, of England was heavily influenced by the, the growth of the monasteries. So the Benedictine monks were founding uh, monasteries all over the country, and they were actually helped and and stimulated by by King Edgar at the time, who was also a, a devout Christian, and also uh, he was partially Viking. He had like an, an, a Viking ancestry and an English ancestry. He was even married. He married a, a Danish princess, and under his reign, uh, there was a lot of peace between these early. Scandinavian settlers who initially just invaded uh, Anglia to, to pillage the villages and the monasteries, but then, you know, a lot of them were staying behind and, and started to f- uh, found families, and, uh, and so they settled there. And there was this long time of, of relative peace, and a lot of these Scandinavian Vikings were converting to Christianity. They were so impressed that despite the fact that they came there as invaders, as the enemy, um, these people, these Christians, were so kind and charitable, and so that convinced them that Christianity actually was, uh, was maybe something that they would want to um, embrace, and and so that happened. So in this particular episode, uh, <clears throat> they don't know that the boy is um, is is a Viking yet, uh, because he 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 is just wounded and hungry, and so you have this this small conversation. Let's take a listen. What's your name, child? Where do you come from? Where's your family? I knew it! He doesn't understand a word we're saying! Do you think he's a Dane? And what if he is, dear? It doesn't matter. If I left an injured child lying there, Jesus would never forgive me. But, Mother... The Danes are England's enemy, aren't they? Father was drafted into the army. Because they're the ones who attacked our homeland. And what's your point? That is a quarrel between men, 
Women and children aren't obligated to get involved. Maybe you're right, but still. And so this was so surprising to me that they um, get, make room in this story for this, I think, beautiful uh, Christian gesture of, of pity and, and mercy uh, of, of this old woman and her granddaughter towards this, this child. And then uh, the story uh, takes a very dark turn afterwards. But I was looking up, uh, I, I was intri intrigued, and I was wondering, is this just fantasy? Is this just a story? Or how historical is this? So I did some research for a, a TikTok uh, video um, that I'm also going to put uh, probably on my uh, YouTube anime channel as well. And I was just stunned at how accurate this depiction of the situation was. And I think that this first encounter between Thorfinn, when he's still very young, um, and, and these, these Christians in Anglia, will have a major influence on his life in the future. You can, you can tell that there, this boy is still at the beginning of a long journey, uh, a, a physical journey, but also an inner journey, um, because his father was killed because he didn't want to fight. And now this boy is turning towards violence to to avenge his father, but you can you can you feel that well, but that's not going to be the solution. Violence only um, gives gives way to more violence. So maybe these two women here have uh, planted a seed that will ultimately also change the heart of this young boy. Thorfinn. I'm only at episode seven right now in the first season, so I've got a lot uh, of of more of other episodes to to discover. But um, I'm eager to see where the creators are going to take this story. And uh, in the meantime, I'll share it with you here on the podcast and on my uh, YouTube and TikTok channels. And with that, it is time to wrap things up. Hope you enjoyed this short break. And if you would like to listen to the premium version of this podcast, you know what to do. Just join my wonderful community of patrons. It's only $250 per month. And your contribution is used to continue this work, to, cr to create more of these shows and videos and, uh, and to do more research. Um, so... And even if you are not able to support me financially, you can still join the Patreon community. It is now also free, and you will be able to read everything I post on the Patreon website. And whenever I have something new, whether it is a video or a podcast or I write an article, um, you can find it there. So this is a very easy way to uh, to stay informed. So go to patreon.com slash fatherick... Father... <laughs> patreon.com slash Father Roderick and join the community for free and if you can also become a sponsor and get premium episodes of my podcast thanks for listening we'll talk soon God bless